0: Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. What do you value more than the love of Jesus? Is it our pride, a point of sin? What what is it that that we put above Him? And if God came to you today, how would He describe you? All questions part of today's message. Turn now in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Here's Pastor Randy. Open your Bibles up if you would to Galatians chapter 5. Um want to spend a little bit more time here in in this chapter. Next Sunday we're going to talk about how is it that we actually apply these fruits of the spirit into our life, but want to spend a little bit more time just digging into this contrast here between the the flesh and the spirit, and what does that actually mean? And I wanna spend a little time going back into what I taught on two weeks ago and a little bit on what Sheba taught, which was fantastic, by the way, last last week. Galatians chapter five, look, look at this, verse 22. Why don't we go ahead and stand and just read 22? We're gonna read 22 to 26. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Gonna get into this next week, but you know, you can't crucify yourself. He has to be the one that does that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. May God bless the reading of His Word. Let me ask you this question: If God were to come to you today, and He were in this room, and He were talking with His angels, and He goes, uh, He goes, "There's, there's uh, Brandon over there." How would He describe Brandon? Well, what? How would God describe you? What would be the words that God would use to describe you? Do you remember on Sesame Street, they used to have this little, one of these things is not like the other. Do any you guys remember this when you were kids? Here, let's, let's watch one really quick, all right? One of these things. Is not like the others One of these things Doesn't belong Can you tell which thing Is not like the other By the time I finish this song So is it the donut balloon? Oh no It's the blue balloon now, How many of y'all got that right? You, you got that right, okay We we were in we were in Nashville last weekend. We went up with a couple of friends and um, to see the premiere of this musical about the life of Billy Graham, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be an, I think it's going to just be such a blessing to our nation. And but this was like the showcase. It wasn't like the whole finished product. It was just it was a showcase kind of premiere thing on a small stage, and the the music was incredible and. It, the story is just amazing. It was up going up to his first crusade in Los Angeles, and it talked about the integrity challenges, even the the ethnic challenges of bringing the gospel in that day. And it was so powerful and so profound. and i I just sat there crying through half of it. and but on our way there, we had had dinner, and we were in we were in Brentwood, Tennessee. I mean, Brentwood, Tennessee' is where all the country stars and the Christian music stars live. I mean, it's one of the richest per capita places in the whole country. We're in Broomwood, Tennessee. Anita and I are six cars back in the line on the right-hand side. There's one car in the left lane. And all of a sudden, I hear in the background and look in my rearview mirror, and I basically see this truck right here. I basically see this truck. And and I hear rum, 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 da, pow pow pow. Rum, 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 pow, pow, pow. And they pull up right next to me and I can see peripheral. There's a boy going like this. Put your window down. And I roll my window down. He goes, you want to hear us peel out? I said, of course. He goes, it's going to backfire. I said, you know why? It's too lean. He goes, no, we like it. It's too rich. He goes, we like it. I said, I got a riding mower that does that same thing. He goes, Yeah, but we got a V8 in this. I said, What do you think I got in my riding mower? Anita's just over there dying laughing. She goes, Of all the people in Brentwood, Tennessee, they pull up next to the one guy who actually wants to hear that truck rev up, peel out, and backfire. She goes, You can take the boy out of Kentucky, but you cannot take the Kentucky out of the boy. How would God describe you? How would he find you? How would he, if he were in a line of cars and he were to come up to you, who would he be looking for? This text tells us, Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom and opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you want to put a box around this word you shall love love your neighbor as yourself this is the big point to the to the new testament church this was the big point to the old testament church god's people in the old testament to love if you bite and devour one another watch out that you're not consumed by one another jesus is quoting here leviticus 19:18 that You don't take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself when you love God in the proper way and you have a proper understanding of self and you can love the people around you. Jesus was walking one day, Matthew chapter 19, and a young man comes up to him and he says this, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? That's our question, isn't it? When God says something, I need you to do something for me. Well, what, which one? All of them? Now I'd like, Lord, can we, can we narrow this down a little bit? Which commandment? Jesus said, he basically sums up the last of five, the last six commandments of the 10 commandments from Exodus 20. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother. You should love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I've kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor what you treasure and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And the young man heard this and he went away sorrowful, why? Because he had great possessions caveat to that. What do you value more than the love of Jesus? What, what in our life, if we're honest, do we value more than that? Is it our pride? A point of sin? What, what is it that, that we put above him? What, what is it that keeps us from being in that relationship with him that he longs for us to have, love. What do we love more than Jesus? We have come into a time in Western culture in which we are redefining what that word love means. Some people say, I love a Twinkie. Now, Twinkies are amazing food. Apparently, they can survive nuclear attacks. They're making them again. It was a very sad day when Twinkies were off the market there for about a year, but someone figured out you can make a lot of money selling Twinkies and they're back. (laughs) Aquinas says this about love. To love is to will the good of the other. I'm not sure that's the definition of love towards a Twinkie, is it? To to will the good of the other, I don't think we're willing the good of the Twinkie. Can I give you another one? To act in a way that's consistent with God's will for another regardless of the cost to me or my feelings. To act in a way that's consistent with God's will for another regardless of the cost to me or my feelings. Some people say, well don't tell me who to love. No one would ever tell you who to love. Who does Jesus say to love? Love your neighbor. Who else does he say to love? Love your enemy. Wow. Just to be honest with you, I was I was teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, and I I said I was praying and I was teaching that passage, love your enemy, and I said, Lord, I don't think I have an enemy. By the end of the week, I did. Love your enemy. How, how do you love the people that intend to bring harm? To you. This word love, we throw it around. In our culture, it means something very different than that biblical picture of what love is. He's when Jesus says love, when Jesus says love, it means this. It means that I'm going to want the, the best for you, regardless of the cost to me. I want the absolute best for you. It's this incredibly different measure of what love is. So how do we do that? How in the world can we love at that measure? Well, he answers the questions, 516. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You, you could pretty much say Western culture the word love essentially means desires of the flesh. I think that's a fairly generous definition of what Western, how Western culture, I love this. I, whether, whether that's something that's sensual or not, it, this is something that meets my needs. So I love this, I desire this. The biblical picture of love is a very different thing. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now watch this, there's some categories here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. That word flesh can mean a lot of different things. Sometimes it can, it's, the, it's a word that just simply means your physical body. There's another word for that. But sometimes in the Greek, but sometimes that word flesh, the word that's used here, is is that. It's it's just this physical body. But here you see really four different kinds of flesh. Here's the first one: the fleshy flesh. Verse 19. He says, the works of the flesh are evident. This is the fleshy flesh, immorality, impurity, sensuality. That word sensuality, by the way. Some of your Bibles say lasciviousness or, or licidiousness. Basically, this is that what that word means is doing something that is not a wrong thing to do, but doing it without the the, the license to do it. There's an old country song: "I want to be your wife, not your lover for the night. I want a license, not a learner's permit." It's essentially saying, no, it's not that this is a bad thing. It's that it's in the improper place. So you've got. You've got this, this first group of things here that is, that is more sensual things. Then here's the second group, idolatry and sorcery. It's an interesting thing. That word sorcery, is the, the root word of that is pharmakia. It's the word where we get the word drug. There's, there's a connection between being out of your mind through that and being out of your mind in, in sorcery. Being under the control of something outside of the will of God. So what, what you see here is this first group is fleshy flesh. This second group is spiritual flesh. Then there's a third group. Now, this those first two things, you, you would lose your job working at a church if you came out and said, you know, I've sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. Sorcery, yeah, if you're doing seances, you're probably not on staff at New Hope. But how about these things? We're really dismissive of these things. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Yeah, I don't know any pastors that have jealousy issues. Fits of anger, which by the way, let me just add this, okay, I do this all the time, but i do I do think this is an incredibly important point. Brandon come here all right okay Brandon at one time held the what was your bench press thing? what did you have six seventy five six hundred seventy five pound bench press okay all right all right i can I can bench sixty seven point five pounds all right okay if If I have an anger issue then I will go off on Brandon. Okay? If I have a bully issue I'll only go off on people who don't have the same authority or power as me. Those are different things. You see that? See Brandon's one of the elders here. He's also physically a very large human being. So if I have an anger issue, I'll go off and yell and scream and curse at Brandon. Yes. But I would also have a stupid issue. <laughs> but if I have a bully issue, I'll only do it on people that I think I can do it to. Like the lady that checks out my groceries. Does that make sense? Or my children or in some situations, your wife, or in some situations, your husband. Thanks, Brandon. All right, all right. Fits of anger. But you can talk about fits of anger in church, right? Oh yeah, I got an anger issue. Lord, help me, Jesus. I got a real anger issue. How about about this one? Rivalries, kind of like jealousy. Dissensions, divisions. Do you think it pleases God that we have churches on every corner? I realize that's a real, I, I'm not saying I have a solution here. I'm not saying we're going to close up next week. Goodness, the things we divide over theologically. I would put a parenthesis on these things here in the middle, and I would say this. Those things, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, I think that's the big sins in this list. I think this other stuff can be forgiven, can be worked through. Then look at the last two, drunkenness. And, and that word there, there's kids in the room. I'm actually not gonna read it in the ESV. Um, but um, that that next that next word there, a lot of your Bibles would put uh, partying or revelry. It really has more to do with drunkenness than sensuality. It's, Which, by the way, I would just say this, when you, when you see bad sensuality and you see abuse of alcohol and things like that in, church, in churches and in church leadership, in the middle, you got bad spirituality and bad emotions. Every, whenever you read about one of, these, one of these pastors that's fallen, and they've fallen because of, of either usually their alcohol or, or their character. In the middle, they got a bad concept of who God really is. But even more precise than that, it comes down to these other things. Anger rivalries, divisions, dissensions, feeling like you can never, ever do enough to please God. It's, it's a little bit like that rich young ruler who chose something over his love of God. And this is what he says. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? It means one of two things. I, I, I'm not sure that I'm confident of which of these two it is. Some Bible commentaries, some pastors believe to not inherit the kingdom of God means that you step into eternity and you are away from God for all eternity. Very, very serious. Some Bible Commentary uh, teachers and some pastors, and I tend to lean in this direction as to what I think it means. Says what it means is, is that, yeah, you step before God and He goes, okay, you're in. But He looks at you and He says, I had this thing for you here on Earth. On Earth as it is in Heaven, my my kingdom was supposed to be lived out on Earth, and and I had this thing for you. I have these people for you. I have this call on you, but you chose these things over me you You chose your woundedness over me you You chose that hurt as a twelve year old that you never let me heal over me. you hold you you held your your lusts over me. you held on to all those things. And I had this call for you, but you chose these things over me. You chose your rivalry over me. And pastor, you would, on the day you weren't preaching, you would drive by that other church and this parking lot would be fuller than yours. And it would speak something into you that was not for me. I don't know which of those two it is. They're both incredibly serious. For one, it's an eternity away from God, which we seem to have forgotten is a reality in this world today. But it's why the cross happened. Our sin is an incredibly serious, serious thing so serious, it took the death of Jesus, the one who knew no sin, that would take on that sin, to take that away, and we tend to think sin is just not that big a deal anymore. That's the one thing. On the other hand, it's, I've got this call on you. I have this this place for you. I have this, this mission for you. Will you step into this, or are you just gonna live your life? And here's the incredibly sad thing about this. When you, when you look at this, it's, it is that same as the rich young ruler, but, but the problem is, who lost in that, in that conversation with the rich young ruler? The disciples who had given up everything or the rich young ruler. And I think all of us would say it was that rich young ruler. But look at, look at what he says in 16. Walk by the Spirit. Then look at 19. Now the works of the flesh. You may have grown up hearing the fruit of the flesh. It is not the fruit. It's a different word. The word's ergon, it's a totally different word from fruit. It's the work of the flesh. It's the toil of the flesh. Think back to the fall in Genesis three. What did God say would gonna be the, the, the way that Adam was gonna interact with the earth? And with Eve, it's gonna be toil. And this is what he says. It doesn't have to be this way for my people. It doesn't have to be toil. It doesn't have to be. Now, that's not saying that there isn't gonna be some work involved. There is. James 2.26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so is faith apart from works. Yeah, we're going to do works but it has to be in conjunction with the Spirit. Let me just read some verses for you. Galatians 3, 2, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Titus 3, 5, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 9, 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead. Look, here's that word, Aragon, dead works, toil to serve the living God. This isn't about the fact that some of us are not trying. It isn't about that at all. It's about that we're trying to do this in our flesh, that we're trying to do this apart from his Holy Spirit. When you get into the book of Revelation, we're, we're gonna be studying Revelation this, this year, uh, this summer, I've actually got some some books in the back. If you wanna get one, they're $15 American, 17 Canadian. And uh, and I don't know how much it is Canadian. But, but, uh, but they're in the back. It's, it's, a, it's a study that we wanna be using in some of our small groups. If you don't understand Revelation, we're gonna work through this together this summer. I, I, I think it's gonna be an amazing summer as we just open up the book of Revelation and jump into this thing. But there's a Bible study back there. It's by John MacArthur. It's the best one. That I've seen, and and we're gonna we want to spend some time doing that this summer. But here's what's interesting: when when Jesus is talking to the churches, this is what he says over and over again. He doesn't say, I know your fruits. And he compliments them. He says, I know your works. 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 He says this to the seven churches every time. And then he would say this, but I hold this against you. And when you read what he holds against these churches, their works are good, they're doing this work, but they've lost that love. They've lost the love that that should be there all the time, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say fruits, by the way. It's fruit, it's singular. The fruit of the Spirit, it's one, it's one fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Think about a sailboat. How many of y'all have been on a sailboat before? Anybody been on a sailboat on the ocean? It, it's it's an I had a friend named Jonathan that had a sailboat and we would go out on the ocean and and there like he had this little little tiny little motor that you would use in port, but but you'd get out on the ocean and that sail would, would pop up. And you could feel that boat just surge. That's the Spirit of God. That's what it's like when when you sense that He's moving you in, in a place, in a direction. When you sense that, when you sense that you're moving no longer under your little oars, and you're rowing, and look, some of you guys are rowing so hard. And he says, look, I know you're working so hard and I'm proud of you for your little oaring, but just put up your sail and let me do this. Put up your sail and feel that. And all of a sudden, that boat takes off and it hits those waves and the spray is going everywhere and it's flying through the ocean. Or you can keep rowing. And you say, how do we do this? Well, you gotta come back next week. Because that's what he wants for you. I, I, think you can, I think you can live your life. I think you can stand before him and, and you'll be in. With some of this other stuff being there, I, I, I think you can. This is my question. Why would you wanna do that? I, I, I don't want to sit on the bench in the kingdom of God. I wanna be in the game. And by the way, you can be a pastor and sit on the bench. That baby crying is a beautiful sound. It's not a problem to me. It's a blessing. I I don't want to sit on the bench in my marriage. I mean, you can be married and be miserable, or you can sail. I don't want to do that as a friend, I don't want to do that as a father. And I think we get to choose, amen? I think we get to choose. Which, which of these, is it the toil of the work of the flesh? Or is it the fruit of the spirit? Well, I'm gonna talk about this next week at length, but what's an apple, what's an apple farmer do? What is his ultimate goal? What is it? It's not complicated, it's not a trick question. He wants apples. But you know, an apple farmer, worship team, you guys can come on up here. An apple farmer's real job isn't to make apples. It's to, it's to grow up apple trees. You, the apples is about the soil and the, the wind and the rain and the sunshine. What the apple farmer does is he protects the trees. he protects the trees from the bugs and and sometimes the cold if at best he can. It's about creating this environment in, in which in which the the fruit gets to grow. I think in the church, we maybe have spent way too much time focusing on the wrong sins. I think it's the middle of that list that's the most dangerous ones. And when we focus on letting his spirit deal with those things in the middle, those things on the periphery, they really, yeah, you might need a little bit of accountability or something but they just become way less attractive. Um, I've told this story before, but I, but I wanna tell it again, because I do think it sums this thing up. There was, a, there was a man, very wealthy man, he was an art collector and he bought and sold and traded pieces of art and he did it very well and became very wealthy and had some of the finest pieces of art in a private collection in the entire world. And he had one son, his wife died in childbirth, he had one son. And that, that boy was the apple of his eye. And when he was 10 years old, he got a picture of him and he had this picture of this boy playing in the yard with his smiling face and he painted that picture, had that picture painted by a famous artist of his son and it was sitting over the mantle of the fireplace. And the young boy became a young man and he went to war and he didn't come home. And when the old man died, they had an art auction and people came from around the world and they began the bidding, not on these fine pieces of art painted by the names that all of us would know. He said, the first thing that we auction off is we auction off the picture of the boy playing in the yard. And there was grumbling. We didn't come here for this. We came here for those other things. And, and the, 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 Regulator said, This is what we do first. This is the thing that we have to do first. And no one bid on the picture. And finally, the groundskeeper, who loved that boy too, said, I have all of my savings and I'll give all of my savings for that picture. It's not much, but it's what I have if I can buy that picture. And everyone said, Good, fine. Now we can get on to the real stuff. And the regulator, the lawyer who was running this thing, said, thank you so much, the auction is closed. And the dealer said, why? What's wrong here? And he said, well, these were the instructions. Whoever takes the sun gets the rest. Whoever takes the sun gets the rest. This is what he says, I want you to love me. This would be my prayer for us, church, for New Hope, for you individually in your marriages, in your parenting, in your friendships, that we would be people who love Jesus well. That if he came today and he said, how, how would you describe him? Oh, he's the guy that loves me well. That's That would be the thing. And if we do that, if we do that, this other stuff, all this other stuff, Which is real stuff, harmful stuff, deathly stuff. It'll get taken care of, church. It will. I am I'm not interested. I'm not interested in a Twinkie if I'm at Cheesecake Factory. let's pray. Jesus, I pray we'd learn how to love you. I pray that we would be people that fruit happens in our lives. Love and all those words that modify it, joy and peace and patience. Lord, that that would be what Is marked by this church, by this pastor, by these elders, by these volunteers, by our children. And Lord, this other stuff, it's important. It's real important. And and we don't want to miss your kingdom. We don't want to miss this call that you have on our life by allowing ourselves to be pulled into things that are just death. But God, we're not gonna get better trying to not be dead. We're gonna get better looking at what is life, looking at what is fruit, looking at what you've promised us. Let us be a people that when you look at us, the first thing you know about us is this is a people that loves me well. Beyond everything else, that we would choose you first starting today. And Lord, for those in this room that don't know how to do that, they want this, they want this so bad. God, I pray that your spirit will begin working in their hearts and in their lives to show them how to love you the way you desire to be loved in your definition of what love is. Jesus' name. Amen. This week, commit to loving God well by choosing Him first. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.